Welcome to Cream, Eggs and Jam. A podcast for food nerds with show and tell by Elise Bullbrook and Scott Bagnell. We love to cook with cream, eggs and jam and learn from food people who give a damn. So join us each week for thoughts, tips and tricks with guests, recipes and more in the mix. Welcome to episode 11 of Cream Eggs and Jam. My name is Scott Bagnell and today I'm coming to you from Yuggera country. And I'm Elise Poolbrook and I'm coming to you from Wurundjeri country. We would like to start this week, like every week, by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we record our podcast and pay our respect to the elders past, present and emerging. This episode has been produced a little bit more heavily than other episodes because we had a few technical issues as we were recording. So if you notice anything a little bit unusual about the audio, we are apologising in advance. Yes, it's our first international, can we call it international, overseas podcast? Overseas, overseas. Um, And so, yes, we apologise for all of the chopping and changing um, but we hope you still enjoy the experience. It was a lot of fun producing and not so much fun editing this week. Thank you for joining us. It's so great to have you here. We have a very exciting episode planned today. We have a very special guest, someone who Elise and I spent quite a lot of time baking together with. If you remember that uh, little chestnut of an idea we had of uh, (laughs) baking 100 cakes in 100 days. Oh, yes. We will be joined by the wonderful (laughs) Sabina Newton, who we also spent seven months of the MasterChef experience with, filming in Melbourne. Sabina is, of course, from Tasmania, and who better to hook us up with a Tasmanian seafood specialist in the know, then Sabina. I am so excited. Seafood is one of my favourite foods and Sabina cooks a lot of seafood. She catches a lot of seafood. I love seafood and Sabina is bringing along Giles, who was recently featured on this week's episode of MasterChef, an oyster farmer. I have so many questions. Me too. But first, let's get Sabina on. We are joined by our very favourite Tasmanian, the one and only, our gal, <laughs> Sabina Newton. <laughs> Woohoo! Hello. Hi. Hi we miss you. I miss you guys too. Yeah, mm-hmm. dropping in from the bottom of the world down in Little Hobart. It's nice, yeah. to, it's nice to see you guys. Yes. Lovely to see you too. It's timely, of course, because the MasterChef crew were in Tasmania in this week's episodes. And what I'm wanting to know is what have you been up to in lovely little lovely little Taz over the past year? Um, neither Scotty or I have come down to visit you. We're terrible humans. Um, mm. but, but how have you been? What have you been doing? Are you living a food dream of sorts? Yes, I'm very disappointed in you both first oh, off for no. not coming down to cold little Hobart. <laughs> <laughs> but um, life down here has been good. I um, have been working and then just doing heaps and heaps of catering, which has been so much fun. I've loved sourcing lots of great ingredients from our beautiful state. 
and putting on heaps of dinners. So that's been awesome. And then I've done a few collaborations with some really cool brands, probably in particular my work with Tasmanian Seafood Council, yeah. which has been really fun, just educating um, tourists and locals about, you know, Tasmanian seafood and how to best cook it. So that's been really, really fun. But, um, yeah, in the midst of planning a pop-up at the moment, which will be really fun, which you guys mm. probably don't even know about, but um, no. soon, which will be fun. And then, yeah, lots in the pipeline though. I think it's all really just about to, you know, come to fruition because now COVID's, everyone's getting over COVID. So I feel like I can really get out there. Oh, my God, that yeah. sounds amazing. We definitely have to come down and see you. Yes, I'm interested to yeah. know where, where we need to be in order to attend this pop-up. Is it in Tassie? It is. So Ooh. it's not all kind of locked down, but I've got a friend who owns a pub in the middle of Tassie, so we're kind of doing a little collaboration and oh, yeah. doing a long lunch, I believe, which will be super fun. Amazing, of course. I'm wondering, for listeners that uh, haven't been paying attention to your socials, um, what has it been like for you, you know, when we finished MasterChef, obviously we couldn't just jump in and do work experience anywhere because there were lockdowns all over the country because of the one and only Bicycoff. Um, (laughs) We have all had our individual journeys following the competition, but for you, what has been a challenge after MasterChef? Yeah, so I think it really comes to all of those lockdowns. I was really looking forward to doing a bit of a stint with Ala Wolf Tasker in Dalesford, mm. but unfortunately that never really progressed because of COVID. So that's always there on the back burner and it's something that I would love to do. Um, and the restaurant scene at the time when Master finished in Hobart was a little bit slow because um, we didn't have all our tourists down here, which normally keep that whole industry running. So it was pretty difficult to figure out what I was going to do given, yeah, the situation. Hmm. Mm. Yes. It's, it's an, odd, an odd thing to have done a cooking competition in, in that kind of climate, um, particularly a competition that sets you up to imagine a life and hospitality that is ideal. Okay, well, I'm excited to have Sabina as part of this segment today. Usually we do a MasterChef recap and we have Sabina with us today. So this is going to be fun. I usually ask Elise whether she watched it and she never does. Did you watch Sunday's episode, Sabina? I'm going to say for the sake of Giles, who's joining us later, that I did. (laughs) <laughs> I, actually, I actually did. I did. I watched the first half. I watched the first oyster cook whilst they were in their waiters with Giles, who's the biggest legend, who you guys will speak to later. Yes. But um, I didn't watch the second half because it just makes me so anxious, the show. And Oh, yeah. you're like Elise. <laughs> I can't do it. I, I always am like, what would I cook? What would I cook? Mm. And then... Everyone's asking me, what would you cook? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not on the show anymore. <laughs> well, I'm going to ask you because this is what we do in this segment. What would, <laughs> what would you cook? It's got it. kicking up old mud. Here we go. Uh, yeah. Should I go first? Are you guys going to no, no, also we, contribute? We, we We're all going to do it. Um, I would have done like a deep fried star in the shell oh, yeah. with like wasabi, mayo or like caviar and creme fraiche or 
like something really delicious in a little tempura batter, oyster, uh, lemon, and a little aioli on top. Um, I'm not a huge lover of oysters, to be honest. Oh, really? (laughs) Mm, Like if they're on the table, I'll have one, but I'd happily give somebody else. I'm happy for somebody else to have two and me to miss out. Oh, my Um, God. I love oysters. So I love a deep fried one because the, the texture is unbelievable. Have you guys ever had a deep fried oyster? No. I don't think I have. Yeah, it, the, just the texture, it completely transforms from that silky kind of like really umami taste to something that's like so super creamy almost. Oh, like it's yum. really unusual, but it's really delicious. Jeez. Yum. So the contestants mm. had to cook with oysters. Was that the brief or was there anything else they could do? Well, there was two parts. The first okay. one was like a quick, you just had to do a quick topping for the oyster mm-hmm. um, and you could do whatever you wanted. As a, I think it was like a half an hour challenge or it was a quick one. And then the second part of the challenge, you had to um, do something a bit more substantial. Okay, okay. So, Beans, is the deep fried oyster your, your quick number? Oh, it definitely, yeah, okay. mm-hmm. quick one, okay. quick one. You've got to make a quick aioli. We can do that in eight minutes. Deep fry the oyster <laughs> probably takes three minutes. We've got yeah. about, you know, 20 minutes up our sleeves really. So easy, <laughs> easy work. No, not at all. Um, get a long one. That's really, that's really hard. I think I would have had to do like a big seafood basket or something and then just done like a few oysters on the side. I don't really know what I would have done, to be honest, for the, the long one. I find that a really hard concept with an oyster. Yeah. And to hero it as well, which they always want you to do, like to hero an oyster, like it's something in a cooked dish I think is really hard. Um, I don't eat a lot of cooked oysters. I like mine just fresh. Um, mm. So for the dressing, I would probably do, I like mine with a ponzu, like a yuzu ponzu and fresh pear, like chopped up as a little like vinaigrette, fresh pear, ponzu, so good. Mm. That would be my my quick topping. What would be yours, Elise? Um, look, what it would have been this time last year is totally different to what it would be now. <laughs> One of the the first time I ever uh, was a part of a restaurant experience was at Edda, and one of my jobs mm. was to prepare all of the oyster seconds for their oyster emulsion. And uh. last year, we all knew about the Edda oyster emulsion. We all ate mm-hmm. it. Someone yes. made it on MasterChef last year. Um, <laughs> anyway, I now know how it's made, but. Um, in terms of the quick cook, I probably would have just made a really lovely mignonette with raspberries and nori, Ooh, something yeah. else that comes from Tassie. Um, autumn raspberries would be lovely. Um, and yeah, like a local seaweed or wakame in the, in the, in the mignonette would be lovely, I think. But Ooh, yeah. I, I, yeah, would do something with an oyster emulsion as a dipping sauce for round two. Mm. Yeah, but that's nowhere near who I was last yeah. year. <laughs> yeah, no, that yeah. that sounds delicious, and I'm pretty sure is it Africola that they have a really good mm. book of like potato chips and oyster cream or something like that. Ooh, like, oh, there's yeah. this really good like potato chips and mm. oyster cream, which like sounds super delicious. So I think a play on that could be cool. Yes, that absolutely, could be very good. I don't yeah. know what I would do yeah. to for the cooked component. Alvin made an oyster omelette. Um, mm. And I love a good oyster omelette, but it was an outdoor challenge. 
And those stoves, as we all know, are terrible outdoors. The, mm. the gas is just not strong enough and the wind blows away. So he was trying to cook this oyster omelette in a wok and it, the wok was just not getting hot at all. I felt so sorry for him. I love Alvin so much. And it sent him home. It kind of just like stewed the eggs, whereas an egg omelette, you want the wok really, really hot so you get all those nice crispy bits. Mm. He should have put it on the hibachi. I know. The wok. I was thinking that too. I saw who was cooking with the hibachi. Someone else was cooking with the hibachi. I'm like, throw it on the hibachi. Oh, no. Mm. Yeah. See, Scotty still gets into it. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. I don't know how you do it. I can't. don't know how you do it. Oh, my gosh. You did mention that you watched some because of Giles. Sabina, tell us about your connection with this particular MasterChef guest. Yes. Yes. So um, for people that didn't follow my story, I guess – On the show, a big part of my upbringing and my life really is east coast of Tassie. So we have a holiday house or we call it a shack down here in Tassie and we go up there for a couple of months over the summer Uh, and during that time we got to know our lovely friends, the Fishers, who own the Freysnay Marine Farm, which is on the Coles Bay Road into where our holiday house is. And I was lucky enough to get to know them lots growing up and work for a summer with them for three months shucking oysters and bearding mussels and carrying big tubs of things that I couldn't really (laughs) lift. They were very heavy, Um, but I absolutely loved it. So, yeah, it was a big part of, um, I guess, my food story and learning more about seafood and shellfish in particular. But, yeah, the whole process of how they grow the oysters has always been really interesting to me and, yeah, I love it. It's great. I have no idea how they grow. It's one of my questions I need to ask Giles in terms of how do you actually grow an oyster? Yeah, I'll butcher it if I start telling you guys. (laughs) (laughs) I think we should talk to Giles. Shall we get him on? Yeah, definitely. Hopefully he, um, yeah, finds his way here. All righty. So Scotty and Elise, I would love to introduce you to a very good family friend and Tasmania's best oyster and mussel producer, um, here is the wonderful Giles Fisher from Freytonay Marine Farm. Woohoo! I feel like we need like a round of applause or something for that intro. <laughs> yes. Hi, Giles. Welcome to Cream Eggs and Jam. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Elise and Scott. Sabina, that was a wonderful introduction. You're terribly kind. <laughs> <laughs> We've heard Sabina's version of um, of who you are in her life, but we're wondering what was Sabina like working for you? Have you got any any uh, goss? Oh yeah, oh, spill the deck. She was nothing. She was nothing short of perfect. Says me, who actually um, in in these years gone by, I haven't worked in the shop for quite a for, for quite a long time, so. I unleashed our, our manager Hugh Whitehouse onto Sabrina, and I think they formed a fairly a, a fairly formidable team. Yeah, oh, I'm I'm very convinced that she's nothing short of perfect. We know how wonderful she is too. Um, <laughs> so Giles, MasterChef came to visit, and we're yes. wondering uh, how did you find that? What was that like for you? I 
Elise, we've done a little bit of filming on the on the farm over the years, uh, and without a doubt, in all genuineness, the MasterChef crew and and the contestants and everybody were by far a the most professional, but b the most accommodating and welcoming group that we've had. They were just brilliant. They did all sorts of things that no other crew has ever done. They came in on time. They left on time. They they were they were really really lovely. So. I really enjoyed it. I had a really nice time. I also enjoyed meeting the contestants and meeting the uh, the judges as well. You know, being a TV watcher, you're never really sure on, on true personalities behind mm. the personas that come across on TV. And without exception, they were just lovely. He says with a huge note of surprise in his voice. You know, it was really fun. <laughs> I really liked it. <laughs> they're an amazing crew. I, I think everyone that works on that production is just, they're so invested in the process and they're, they're big foodies and they love the show. And, you know, I think it shines through in terms of the, the style of production it is. It's, it's pretty incredible. With your food dream, Giles, was being an oyster farmer ever a food dream for you? How did you find yourself where you are yes. now? Oh, Elise, it's the worst story. It really is. No, it's, <laughs> oh, no. it's, it's, it's quite funny. It's, I mean, I, I grew up on a sheep and cattle farm in the Midlands of Tasmania and um, leaving school at the end of the 80s and starting work in the 90s, he says, with a very large crop of grey hair, that um, <laughs> broadacre agriculture didn't hold me as it probably should have. So I spent a fair bit of time working in the tourism industry, um, working in, in North Queensland and various places, and found, having grown up on a farm, that sort of innate sense of well-being is really all you can get at the end of a day's working with tourism. Whereas if you're working on a farm, you're growing things, you're building things. There's sort of a sort of a here's the fence that Jack built kind of feeling. So there was this sort of tangible sense of, of, of achievement at the end of the day that was lacking in a lot of uh, in a lot of the tourism work even though I still actually am very very involved with tourism but I found that I needed I needed to, to, to sort of touch and feel things that I'd achieved through the day so I went to university um, and studied an applied science degree majoring in agricultural research and spent mm. a fairly long time working in the salmon game um, and really enjoyed that. That was that were that was a wonderful career choice. Um, however, when the children were born, we decided that the west coast of Tasmania was a bit cold, a bit wet, a little bit isolated. <laughs> and my brother-in-law found a found an oyster farm, special on the east coast of Tassie, and rang up one day and said, "Hey, listen, this thing's got a bit of a tourism bent to it. It's got aquaculture, but uh, it's suit." You know, my wife and I, and, our, and our, by then we had two kids, and had a look at it. So I did. However, I had never even set foot on an oyster farm before. So the day I went over, wow. I drove the, drove the breadth of Tasmania over the Central Highlands and landed here in Coles Bay to a breathtakingly beautiful farm with a, a really lovely lady, Andrea, the previous owner, still a friend. She, she, she lives just a you know, a couple of kilometres away, that she was just ready to retire. She had a price she wanted to pay. 
I had no idea what the hell I was doing. And the day that I signed okay. on the farm, the day I signed to purchase it with Julia's blessing was the first time I'd ever set foot on a farm. Oh and it was gosh. just oh sheer madness. <laughs> it, was, it, was, you know, it was pretty funny. <laughs> that fantastic. is incredible. How do you actually grow oysters? It's something that I have no idea. Like, do they... Do they have eggs or do they give, like, live young? Like, how do you actually grow an oyster? Yeah, well, Scott, mummy and daddy oyster love each other very much. Okay. Where we start from. (laughs) Is there Um, male and female oysters? I don't even know that. There is. Whereas they can actually be, uh, well, to get technical, they they can can change sex, the protagious hermaphrodites. Um, which which can which can vary on 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 nutritional load, but that's probably not really what we're into <laughs> on this conversation. <laughs> but essentially, essentially, with, with with the husbandry of the fish, we buy babies about the size of a peppercorn. So the oh, so wow. the male and the female um, they will release the female will release eggs. They'll be fertilised. Mm-hmm. The eggs will hatch into a larvae. The larvae will swim around in the water, eating, just eating lots and lots of food, any algae, any any natural plant food particle that's floating in the water, they'll eat and while they swim. Then in the wild, they would settle on the bottom, like on the rocks between the high and low watermark, yeah. and they would then metamorphose into an adult form oyster, attached to the rocks, and they'd live there happily for the next 60 to 70 years. Oh, 60 to 70 years? Absolutely. If, if 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 nature and hungry humans allowed it, absolutely. Wow. They're a very safe animal. They've got a big, strong house around them. At what so, point do they grow yeah. the shell? Like, when they're a baby and they're swimming around, are they in a shell or are they just like a when they're in, When they're swimming around, they when they're swimming around, they don't have a shell per se, but they will they will draw minerals and elements out of the water column into their body and they will then secrete them back out in a form of calcium carbonate to create the shell. Oh, wow. So, like and that will continue, obviously, to continue to grow throughout their life. Yeah. Like a superhero growing their coat of armour. Absolutely. They're super mm. oysters. They're super foods. Mm. That is so, so. interesting. <laughs> I never knew yeah, this- any of that. Oh, dude, neither did I before I'm- Bought the flipping <laughs> farm and had to learn gosh. it all. Good oh lord! Oh my gosh! So yeah. So what anyway, we buy. The... Bu- so we buy babies basically, and we will then put right. them on the farm, and they will then grow. Yeah. And why don't you grow your own babies? Is it just too hard or specialised, or do you need special equipment or something? Yeah, a little bit of all of the above, Scotty. Yeah. We kind of, yeah, we concentrate. Funnily enough, the industry is very, or can be at times quite segmented into areas that it can specialise in, depending on what the environment allows you to grow. So we find we grow a really good finished oyster. So an oyster that's big and fat and finished at the end. Some parts of the world, some parts of Tasmania, grow really awesome babies, but they're not so great at finishing the fattening ones. okay. So, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, we all call it highway farming. You, you might buy oysters from one of your mates, one of the other farms, and only keep them on your farm for two months and then sell them off for, you know. So there's, there's all sorts of intricacies, which are, yeah, which are, which are kind of cool. It's a pretty cool industry. When you get the babies, how long 
what's the process from getting the babies to being able to sell them? How long does that take? We will use about two years for our benchmarking. So oh, wow. we've got okay. at the moment a bit over three million on the farm, and we'll therefore put in about one point five million per year um, into the farm, and then we will, mind you, I mean one point three, you know, or so we'll get say six hundred thousand oysters coming in in one lot. They'll they'll fit in like yeah. three poly boxes, you know. So okay. there okay. can be like. 200,000 oysters, you know, you know, like the fish boxes that you guys would be familiar with when you're cooking. You know, one wow. fish box can have okay. 200,000 oysters in it. So it's pretty cool. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. It sounds very efficient. That's that's one of the great terms, the least, that we try. You know, it's it's farming. It's it's you know, you've got to work with the environment, you've got to work with, with mm. warm water and cold water and you know and, and, and food availability and so really the only thing you can control is the efficiency of the farm. Because Mother Nature controls everything else. So yeah, we try to be all grown up with it. And I think working in the salmon game for quite a while was a big one for that for me professionally, to be able mm. to Look at the look at the efficiencies of running a business like a marine based business, but yeah, yes. all the mother all the mother nature stuff is out of our control. So we roll with that, and then what we can control is is basically our movements and our efficiencies. Yeah, I'd imagine you wouldn't be able to control a lot when you're farming in the ocean. That you're relying on the ocean to do all the work, and you can't really control that ocean in any way, shape, or form. That's right, Scotty. I mean, if you're a if you are a beef farmer, you can fertilise your ground. You yes. can create better pastures. You can you can manipulate your animals. You can give them you can give them different different medicines. Yes, you can do all this sort of stuff. Whereas farming in the ocean, none of those options are available to you. So yeah. Yeah, you've got to really roll with it. Um, and that's actually one of the things we love about it too, in that it's terribly um, non-intervention, non-interventionist. Is that a word? No, it's yeah. non-interventionist. We've just made that'll do. That'll do. Yep. So it's almost yeah, as as wild as you can get. Absolutely, as a farmer. Um, yeah, it is, and it's you know it's all those wonderful things too. It's completely organic. You know, there's there's we we don't input anything into the water, so there's no no again like paddle farming. There's no fertilizers. There's no drenches. There's no medicines. It's just simply we put these wonderful little little superfoods into the water, and they just grow on whatever the, whatever nature provides. Oh gosh, I love that. Mm. Yeah. When you were starting out, what were some of the the barriers that you had to face, particularly legally, or was it difficult at all setting up and getting started? Being particularly dense doesn't help. Uh, <laughs> so- that's probably the biggest thing. We just had so much to learn, honestly. You know, we had a five-month-old baby. We had a three-year-old. Um, wow. You know, the, the, early, the early days of, of, you know, Julia, my wife, would be working on the boat with me with a one of those backpack things with for, for the little one, and we'd have a porticot on the boat with the other one. Oh, my um, yeah, there's some pretty cool, pretty pretty funny old photos that we were looking at the other day. Going, honestly, what the hell were we thinking? Oh my but, god! You know, no, trying to raise a family, 
in in that environment was 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 pretty fun. But by the same token, I mean it's such a wonderful place to live. Yes. You know, as Sabina knows, you know, Sabina's got a longer relationship with this place than I do. You know, their their family shack's been here for generations. Yes. We've only been here for, for, for eighteen years. But it's a wonderful place to raise a family wow. and to bring kids into it. So yeah, that was that was the biggest that was the biggest bit. Bringing a family mm. along with you for the ride, that was pretty that was pretty cool. Mm. I wanna buy an oyster farm. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a bridge oh, I can send you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. What, um, what are your favourite ways of serving oysters or eating oysters, Giles? On MasterChef, the contestants had to cook with them. We were wondering what you would have gone for. If I was to be preparing them myself, um, I'm actually a really big – there's, a, there's a, a, a Japanese – they call it a stew – so I'm really conscious mm. that you guys are, you know, such wonderfully knowledgeable food people. But, um, but like a there's, there's, there's a Japanese, almost it's not a clear broth, but it's a light broth with with sort of a smoky oyster put through it. That's that's, that's cooked and poached mm. in the soup, and it's just delightful. Mm. I haven't had it for a really long time, but it's just special. That sounds amazing. I'm a big. Big fan of Japanese food. But remember, we are all growing and eating Japanese oysters. They they come from Japan. They're not native to Tasmania. And I, ah. a lot of the time, I look to France for a lot of our culinary leadership with with oysters. But Japan, I think, is somewhere that's really worthy of of, of really close scrutiny as well. I think they do it beautifully. Ah, oh, very interesting. Mm. I adore the culture of oyster of oyster consumption in France more than anything. Mm-hmm. I find it really interesting that we we eat our oysters around Christmas. That's that's yep. as a farmer. That's when I will produce most of my oysters for market. And yet, if you go to France, where I think their culture is uh, their, their their oyster culture is deeper than ours. You know, it's a fairly new thing in Australia. But in in in, in France, they will have the majority of their harvest. And their industry, remember, is 60 times bigger than Australia's industry. They will wow. eat Jeez. most of their oysters in the six weeks either side of Christmas. There you go. So that's winter. It's the depths of winter. Mm. Yeah. And we eat them in the height of summer. And they're a fundamentally different animal. I'm not saying one's better or one's worse, but there's a, there's a firmness and a sweetness to the, uh, to the texture of the, of, the, of the fish if you eat one right now. That's fundamentally different to that soft, creamy texture that you get through a summer oyster. Very interesting. So, would you say that they're seasonal? Ah, uh, in the past, I would have said yes, Scotty. But we, yeah. we, 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 the industry can produce a pretty reasonable fish all year round these days. Okay. Um, but there are certainly seasonal specialities and seasonal variations. Absolutely, yeah. So they are a very different animal in winter Gosh. to what you get in summer. Is there a prime time to be harvesting them? When are they at their best? Like if you weren't relying on markets or selling mm. them every year, like do mm. they change in flavour? I, I I don't believe they change tremendously with age. Having said that, mm-hmm. I've never really seen a lot of oysters over 10 years old. But... Mm. Um, but through the through the months of the year, absolutely. I mm. my own very personal feeling 
Um, again, this isn't this isn't to 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 change anybody else's thoughts, but right now, as in literally today, I was eating oysters off the boat. The boys had been out to harvest, and we brought in oh wow, give or take a thousand dozen or so, I think it was, on the deck of the boat, and I cracked into a couple, and they were just magnificent. They were so sweet, mm. they were so firm and textural, they were just the most beautiful fish so I, I i love them right now but that's just me oh my gosh do you ship to brisbane <laughs> <laughs> we have in the past we have in the past <laughs> in tasmanian seafood what do the seasons look like giles you're you're speaking from the perspective of a uh oyster mussel farmer um but what times of year do tourists in particular enjoy particular types of seafood? Is there mm. a, a, a time when there's more crayfish around? Is there a time mm. when there are uh, more varieties of, of, I don't know, other things going on? If, if you were to sort of, I don't know, Elise, you could, you could run through it, couldn't you? Sort of say, oh, Sabina, the scallops are starting to get pretty good about now, aren't they? So the row starts to pick up. Um, so the, open, the season will really crack on for scallops about now. Um, and I, I, I think... July is the beginning of the scallop time. And I love, I love the idea of seasonal celebration for whatever the best produce yes. is at a certain time. This is one of my rants. These commoditizations of seafood, particularly, it's, it's, it's an evil concept. You know, we need to have a celebration to say this is the beginning of the best time of the year to eat, goodness knows, a radish or an eel or a truffle or a scallop or a... You know, everything has its prime time, doesn't it? So mm. for me at the moment, scollies are really kicking in. Um, mm. the, 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 the lobsters, through nothing more complicated than their ability to be caught in pots, are better through the warmer months. Um, mm. Trying to catch a crayfish at this time of the year is a bit difficult. And also you have breeding periods where you need to leave them alone to, to, to replace the, you know, the, the, the population. I think mm -hmm. oysters come in about a six or eight weeks ago and will go through in, a, in their current form through to about the end of October and then there'll be a really lovely changeover to a really soft um, sort of creamy flavoured oyster, um, you know, and you can, you can sort of swing on through different, different species through the end of summer. Um, but, but to me... I'm a real believer in the colder waters and the colder months to create intensities of flavours. So I think if you were to look for the really finest of seafoods, I think the cold water times are your, are your time that really, really shine through. Mmm, beautiful. I guess that's why mm. Tasmanian seafood is just so spectacular. Yeah, look, it, it it is. It really is. You know, you can you can go you can go into the slow food movements and all that sort of stuff. I've got mates running prawn farms who are going to be yelling at me for this. <laughs> you know, the, the warmer water stuff. But but yeah, I'm a, I'm a real lover of that of that sort of southern ocean and the and, and the and the flavours that it imbues. Mm. Beautiful. Well, I think we're going to have to strategically time our visit, and it's winter now, so maybe we'll just jump on some planes this weekend, Scotty. Oh, that'd be great. Hmm. <laughs> we don't have other things to be doing. We have no deadlines for other work. No. <laughs> no, I love it. 
Come down, there'll, there'll be a there could be a combined Newton Fisher tour of Eastern Tasmania. <laughs> oh, oh my I god! I love the sound of that. That sounds so good. We need to make that happen. And we will have to definitely cook for you and then repay you with with, with how we show love as well. Oh, um, wonderful! Yes. Thank you so much for talking to us today. It's been oh, an absolute it's pleasure. It's been I've learned so fun. much. Mm. Me too. Oh, brilliant. You've definitely made me hungry as well. Mm. Well done. Well done. Enjoy enjoy the rest of these winter days. Take care, you guys. Thank you so much for introducing us to Giles Beans. We are looking forward to our personalised tour of the Fraserne Marine Farm when we come down to I Tassie. really want to you guys, You guys are going to love it. And when you go out on the oyster barges and pull up all the oysters, it is amazing what gets pulled up. With the oysters. What else gets pulled up? Like other things? Octopuses, um, little fishes, all these different types of seaweed, crabs. Oh, wow. It's insane. Okay. Wow. Is that bycatch? Is that a problem? What happens to, to this other stuff? It gets thrown back in. Okay. Mm. All right. So it's, it's all good. It's all good. It's not very much. It's not very much that gets pulled up. It's like tiny little dregs of seaweed with all these baby octopuses in it. We just oh, baby octopuses. It's so cute though. Oh it's so oh. fun. <laughs> Has there ever been like an oyster eating competition at the Frozen Marine Farm? I don't know, but I can be the adjudicator if you guys would like to um, verse each other. <laughs> oh yes. Oh, didn't we eat like? Didn't we eat lots of oysters during MasterChef at some point? No, no, that was crayfish, my dear. <laughs> <laughs> that was everything oh, else. <laughs> mm, it's everything else. I actually don't think I ate an oyster throughout the whole MasterChef experience because I never trusted how long they'd been in as a as a food. <laughs> When we were sent home with things like oysters, I was always like, oh, that's going to give someone food poisoning. <laughs> Just. Mm. There are a few nights I vomited some scallops, let oh. me tell you. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Change however, the topic. However, <laughs> however, I would happily verse you in an oyster eating oh, competition. Yeah. Also oh, yeah. because my, with my jaw situation where I can't open yes. it, like there are very few foods that I could eat in an eating competition, but oysters would mm-hmm. be one that I could actually yes. manage because, you know, the mouth opens wide enough, they slip down your throat, it's great, and I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Surely that can't make the edit. <laughs> oh, it would make a very interesting uh, uh, highlight reel. <laughs> very Elise, oh, very Elise. I feel um, we should uh, move on to a different topic. <laughs> Let's talk show and tell. And Sabina's still here, so I think, Sabina, you're going to have to do a show and tell with us. Mm. Yeah, so I think I'm just going to tell you about a little dish that Ooh. Andy did as a masterclass. Yes. I don't know if you guys remember the scallop dish with miso butter yes. and, like, seaweed. Yes. Mm. But I've been doing heaps of plays, especially on my with my catering jobs, with just grilled scallops either in my pizza oven mm. or in in my conventional oven at 250 degrees, like really hot. Yeah. But just playing around with different compound butters and cooking the scallops, I just slice them in half 
and with compound butter in their shells and just really, really hot. So delicious because you can do like 20 or 30 at a time. If you've got heaps of people coming over, put a few little toothpicks in them and then hand them around in their shell. And it's just the best thing ever because there's no washing up. You put the shells in the dishwasher, use them again. Put the shells in the dishwasher? Um, they're their own little plates. It's just great. Yeah, I, I collect all the. Sh- I never knew the shells were dishwasher safe. Well, that's my show and tell, Scotty. Ah. I use them every time. Yes. Oh, I love abalone it. shells too. Oh. Abalone yes. shells at the restaurant get passed through. Do they? Yeah, and they're great little sauce containers. I use when I at my catering events. I'll do little abalone shells full with aioli, and like they just look beautiful and. Yeah, it's super easy. Pop them through the dishwasher. I have learned so much this episode. I'm so excited. <laughs> Scotty's very easily influenced too. The next, the next Instagram post he will put up will be like an abalone shell being used as an aioli dipping vessel. I've thrown next out week. so many abalone shells. What? Do you know? Next week I'll tell you something else you can put in the dishwasher. <laughs> be really exciting. <laughs> you, you, know what, you know what you can do with the dishwasher? You can cook salmon in the dishwasher. Have you done that? Oh, God, that's no, that's disgusting. <laughs> you can. You I can draw like, the line. If you vacuum pack it, you put it in the dishwasher, it like slow cooks it. This was a discussion I had with Tom Levick, but it, w- it involved him saying that he was using his sink to sous vide fish. <laughs> no, you use your dishwasher. <laughs> What? All right. The the fish queen says hell no <laughs> to the dishwasher fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, think that's, I think that's fair. Do you know what? I'll oh, tell gosh. you a funny story. I went to our local fish shop, which I love in Brisbane, and I bought abalone. And the guy at the fish shop, he said, when I asked for the abalone and ordered it, his jaw dropped and he said, I have been working here for over a year. And I have never sold abalone to anyone during that entire time. And I've never seen anyone else buy abalone. You are the first person in over a year. Why do they stock it? it? I don't know. Where was it? Was it fresh? I I, I was so confused. It's been there for a year. (laughs) I hope it hasn't been there for a year. Oh, no. It's a really good fish (laughs) shop. It's my favourite fish shop in Brisbane. It's brilliant. But um, obviously not many people in Brisbane <laughs> cook abalone. Look, I wouldn't be buying this. <laughs> oh you guys need to come down here and I'll get it off the rocks for you myself. Oh, my God. Deal. Oh, yes. yes. Um, shall I share with you my show? Yes. Yes, please. Okay. So I'm going to give you guys a sneak peek of my cookbook cover. <gasps> oh, Yes. Yes. So this has been a project that's been commissioned by the local council and it's a book featuring recipes um, by people in our local area here in Reservoir. So the book is called Reza Recipes and this is an official sneak peek just for you two and anyone else who's actually watching on YouTube. You know, our YouTube viewers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But this is – I'm showing you guys with my phone now. 
Oh gosh, just in a way that it won't um, reflect off the screen. And we'll put the the photo up. I think we should. I can just say right Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put the photo up. <gasps> it's amazing. Okay. Oh, I'm, that's so awesome! Though. That's such a big achievement. How exciting <laughs> that it's all coming together. Look, I haven't painted it myself, but um, it's been commissioned. The artwork has been commissioned um, to a local artist named Carly, and she's done a great job. All of the fruits and vegetables that she has done watercolors of are fruits and vegetables that grow in gardens here in Reza. Lots of people have been involved in just harvesting things from their gardens and dropping them at her house. It looks so good. It'd be great yeah. if Sabina was here to see it. <laughs> but I don't know where she's gone. I don't want to edit this episode, Elise. So, Reza Recipes will be a free ebook, and the hard copy will be quite an exclusive print. Uh, there will only be 100 copies. So, yeah. How, who knows? how do I order one? Well, you can't yet. Ugh. That's. that's um, that's not my domain. My domain is 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 enough of other things. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's for show and tell, Scotty Bagnall? Um. Well, I thought I would show a cookbook because that's um pretty on brand for me, and it's a Tasmanian cookbook. Oh, Tasmania's table. D- does Sabina have this one? Have you seen this one, Sabina? I've only You're s- from Tasmania. <laughs> I bought this in Tasmania. Um, it's a very good cookbook. There is quite um, a lot of delicious recipes and I like it because it's from like all of the restaurants around Tasmania. So all of my favourite restaurants, um, they've all like contributed and there's some great storytelling. It tells you sort of about the local produce. Um, it's divided up into all sorts of different um, like coffee, chocolate. Cute. I think we'll need to do a Tasmania mini series of cream eggs and jam. Oh, that's a good idea. Season mm. two, the whole thing from Tassie. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, well, that's mm. my show and tell. My other show and tell is my half-eaten chocolate Easter egg that I have left over from Easter. <laughs> <laughs> That is my dinner. Um, oh, no. To celebrate World Chocolate Day. Happy World Chocolate Day, everyone. Oh, well, Beans, it's been lovely having you with us today. Thank you so much for celebrating Tasmanian seafood in this episode of Cream, Eggs and Jam. We hope you've had a good time. You've been listening to Cream, Eggs and Jam. I'm Elise Pulbrook, and you can find me on Instagram at Elise underscore food person. And I'm Scott Bagnall, and you can find me on Instagram at SSBagnall. If you'd like to send us your show and tell, you can email us, scottyandelise at gmail.com. Or if you'd like the visual experience of this podcast, you can find us on YouTube at Cream Eggs and Jam. Have a great day. Happy baking.